in the path of growth as a believer, um, we are to have full confidence in the Lord and absolutely no confidence in ourselves. None. It's, it, it just takes a long time for believers to see the condition of the flesh within them and the condition of no good thing. It takes a long time. You, you may think that you're not susceptible to, to some particular sin or some fall, but just given the right circumstances, all of us can say and do the most horrid things at any given time. Even after knowing the Lord a long, long time. And it just reminds us that in our flesh never dwells anything good until our bodies are redeemed and we're in heaven. That all of us, all the time, and so we don't take ourselves serious and we don't have confidence in ourselves. Because within us beats a heart that is so deceptive that it will not even tell on itself. Uh, but it's revealed at times when circumstances get rough. Uh, Abraham, in his walk of faith, had had miraculous things happen up to chapter 20. I mean, amazing things where God spoke to him, called him out of Chaldea, uh, sojourning, traveling. He had defeated five kings. Uh, he had uh, met uh, the priest at uh, Salem. Melchizedek um, had the incredible experience of, of, of not only hearing from the Lord, but a, an actual vision of God himself. He'd been visited by three men, one of them the Lord himself. He'd had a, he'd had a face-to-face conversation with Christ in the Old Testament when he negotiated, if you will, for, for those in Sodom and Gomorrah. He'd had advantages and length of time of walking with the Lord far beyond any of us. And yet in chapter 20 is the, re- the, the record of a visit down to a people called the Palestinians. Uh, Israel would have an awful time with these Palestinians, I'm sorry, Philistines. Philistines is the way it's properly pronounced. These Philistines down in this region south of Israel. So look at chapter 20 in Abraham's visit to Abimelech or at least that region. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he sojourned in Kerah. Verse 2. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. Now, if that sounds familiar... That was exactly his line down in Egypt about 15 to 20 years ago. When he went down to Egypt, and Sarah being a fair woman to look on, he feared for his life, and he told everybody, this is my sister, which is a half-truth. They had the same father, but different mother, married his half-sister. But a half-truth is a full lie, and it was 20 years before, and he did it again. You're going to find out from the passage that this was a preconceived plan that went further back than Egypt itself. You'll see that in the reading. It's possible for the child of God who walks by faith 
and walks with God to have a preconceived readiness to sin in a particular area, rationalizing it, giving all the human reasons why that sin is okay, or not even looking at it like sin. Well, let's look at the story. Notice in verse 3, he says, verse 2, he says, She is my sister. Well, the result was that Abimelech, king of Gerah, sent and took Sarah into his harem. And there she was for many months. How do I know months? Because the end of the story says that the Lord hath withheld childbearing to the women of that kingdom until this thing was figured out. Now, you don't figure that women can't get pregnant in a couple weeks. It takes months and months to figure, wait a minute, hold on. Nobody's getting pregnant around here. Now, let me let you in on a little insight. The way these kingdoms or peoples lived and worked and survived was to have a lot of kids, a whole bunch of them. Because you can't populate armies with robots back then. You actually had to have men born. So to have children in these cultures was to survive as a people. Now, you had to wait probably 15, 20 years before you got a soldier out of a man, but you had to get the crops going early. And so a woman's job was basically as old as soon as you got old enough to get pregnant and keep getting pregnant until you couldn't get pregnant any longer. That's the way these people survived. It's not like we live now, but this is the way they lived. So when they stopped getting pregnant, everybody was like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And that's how they found out this thing went on for months, that Sarah was in his harem. So Abimelech goes to sleep one night trying to figure out what in the world is going on in my kingdom. I'm... The women of my kingdom can't get pregnant. So Abimelech, king of Jerah, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man. I always smile when I read that because, you know, I might walk up to you and say, you know, Jim, you're a dead man. And you, you, that might shake you up a little bit. But if God appeared with you in a dream and he said, you're a dead man. Uh, that's that's terrifying. It's all over. The one who gave life is going to take life. You're dead. You get somebody's attention when you do that. I always talk to parents about you can't discipline a kid until you get their attention. In the discipline of, I don't know why we're getting on this range, but let's just go down this path. Grandchildren also, you can't discipline a child until you get their attention. You don't get their attention until you actually hurt them in some way. Pain is a wonderful way to get their attention. And once you got their attention, then you can teach them something. I heard a comedian late recently who had a 15-year-old son who he had in trouble with. And he said this. He said, I don't know how old Satan was when he rebelled in heaven, but I'm pretty sure he was 15 years old. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good joke. So anyway, God gets Abimelech's attention. Didn't play around with this one. Abimelech, we need to talk. Let's just go over, you know, this. Uh, I, just, this uh, I was at a playground up in uh, Fernandina at, at something Lorelai was doing, and I was playing with uh, Landon and Benny were on the slides. Well, I think it was uh, Benny was walking up the slide. You know how the kids, it's not creative enough to go down. They want to go up. So he was going up, a kid came down. They met in the middle. They negotiated it. They got down. Well, Benny wasn't getting out of the way fast enough, and the little kid gave him a little shove, a little shove, okay? Just as kids. Well, the dad rushes over, and I love these parents today. The dad rushes over and grabs the kid and pulls him over to Benny, because I got Benny over the, by the thing. He said, Benny, don't, don't, just don't go up the slide, okay? 
pulls the kid over and says, apologize to him. Say you're sorry. Okay, here we go. So he said, I'm sorry. He probably didn't know what he was saying sorry for as I'm sorry. And then he said, now I'm going to ask you something. How do you think that boy felt when you pushed him? Now I'm sitting there thinking, he doesn't care how he felt when he pushed him. <laughs> Benny, doesn't, Benny didn't have any feelings about being pushed. He just got pushed. Anyway, all this psychology that's going on, and you're not getting the kids, and sit up on the bench for two minutes. The kid's sitting up there. And so his father walks off, and I'm sitting there with a the kid, and he looks over me, he's got sunglasses on. He looks at me and goes, how you doing? Good, how you doing? You know, it's just, they, they didn't get it. Be clear. God was clear. He said, man, you're a dead man. Oh, okay, eyes open. What you talking about? So let's go on. Notice he says, because the woman whom you have taken, she, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, hadn't had sexual relations with her. That's a nice biblical way of saying that. So he said, Lord, will, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself, Abraham, say to me, she is my sister? And by the way, she herself said, he is my brother. They're both in on it. I'm innocent here. Good argument, Abimelech. Don't lay down and let him poke you with a dagger. Fight for your life, and he gives, a, gives an argument here. Good stuff. Notice what God says. He says, then God said to him, in a dream, still in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you back from sinning against me. A couple things you need to notice there. Notice the sin wasn't going to be, well, it was a sin against Abraham, but Abraham, this was a sin against God. In sexual immorality in our day of adultery or fornication, it is not only a sin against another human being, to have sex outside of marriage, it is a sin against God himself. Do you see that? I, I don't care what kind of culture we've lived to. And I grew up in the 70s where everything was game, man. Sex, rock and roll, drugs, the whole thing was going on like that. But the Bible has not changed. And where it says it's sin, it is sin. And it not only hurts the people involved, it offends and hurts God himself. Notice how God kept this Philistine king back from committing this sin. The heart of the king is in the Lord's hand. God does what he wants to do. In the lost people that are in this world. Do you understand? Everything that happens, God has a purpose for. You ever get frustrated with the direction of our country? God is directing this country in directions that we don't understand for his own purposes, for the kingdom that's coming. Do you understand? He's ordered. We don't like it, but God can change the heart of the king like that. Do you understand? So he is in control of all things, lost people too. Notice... In verse 7, therefore, at the end of verse 6, therefore I did not let you touch her. And she was in that harem for months. Now then, return the man's wife. This is, this is the, this, are you ready for this? Return the man's wife, because he's a preacher. 
You believe? Come on, man. What do you mean he's a preacher? But God says it right there. That's embarrassing. Lost man, send that believer's wife back to him. Man, what a shame that is. And God says it. You know, God doesn't say, send him back, you know, he's, he's you know, whatever. Just, he's a prophet. He's a preacher. Notice, so that he may, it gets better. So he may pray for you. Really? Yeah, I want Abraham to pray for me in the condition he's in, giving his wife away to a, yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure your prayer life's pretty effective. You're really in the spirit. Pray for me. Buddy, you need some prayer. Notice the grace of God here in the forgiveness of Abraham, in the protection of his wife. Abraham is about the life of faith and the grace of God. This is just pure grace. Wow. He'll pray for you, notice, and you shall live. But if you don't return her, know that you are going to die. Not only you, but everything you got's gone. That's a pretty good message, and that's pretty clear. I'll just I'll bust the discipline one more time. When you discipline a child, you make it clear, and there's no questions of why do I have why because I said so. I never let my grandchildren ask me twice after they've asked me one time. The answer is no. Don't ask again. If you ask again, it's called being rebellious because you didn't take the answer the first time. God doesn't give Abimelech any position after this. He says, look, you do this or this is going to happen. Clear as, clear as mud. You never get angry in discipline. You simply are authoritative in the fact that this is the way it is. These are your choices. Make your choices. And these are the consequences. I'm not mad or angry. You're going to die, though, if you don't make your bed. All right, there's... <laughs> Maybe I went too far in the passage. but <laughs> Okay, so verse 8. So Abimelech rose early. I bet he did. Got, got right out of bed. Yep. He went right by the oatmeal in, 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 in the morning and called all of his servants and told them all these things. <laughs> I love this. And the men were very much afraid. These are, these are Philistines. These are pagans. And they fear God. They're afraid. Very superstitious culture back then. They believed in many gods, but this was a dream the king had, and it was real. And he was convinced. He convinced them, and they were afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, I love this. This is the rebuke of the pagan to the Christian. What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you? that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin. I want to backpedal here, and I want to ask you the characters involved. Get it clear. This is a pagan king telling a believer in Jehovah that fornication is a great sin. You got that? Now, if the pagan can claim that fornication and adultery is a great sin, then shouldn't have Abraham understood that. Let me throw a wrinkle in the, in the crowd because 
I've got a, I've got a hypothesis. About, I've, got this, I've got this thought about here. I don't, I don't think, and I might be wrong, but I don't think Abraham for a second thought that anything would happen between Abimelech and Sarah. I think he believed that God would protect her and stop Abimelech. But that is wrong. It was, it was right that he did stop her. It was wrong for Abraham to presume upon the grace of God in an area where he should have been morally correct. Let me say that again. When you have a moral decision to make, don't presume upon the forgiveness and grace of God and justify an immoral act or deed. That's not the grace of God. The grace of God, as we teach it down here, appears that it, it, the grace of God hath appeared, teaching us that ungodliness is to be rejected. And we are to live holy, righteous lives in this world, Titus tells us. You understand that? Uh, there's a teaching of grace out there that says, live any way you want. That's not the teaching of Scripture, the New Testament. It produces holy lives. So, let's go on in the story. It says in verse 10, And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see? And I'm, I'm sorry, but let, let's go back up then. No, 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 I've sinned against you. And you have done this, and you ought not to... They, you have done to me things that ought not to have been done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, He's not done yet. What did you see that you did this thing? Now notice how Abraham justifies it in verse 11. Abraham said, I did this because I thought. Now stop right there. Thinking gets you in a lot of trouble. This was rationalization. Because I thought something... Christians can justify a lot of sin just by thinking things through. The Spirit of God tells you something's not right, it's sin. The Bible tells you something's not sin. You don't have to think anymore. No more thought patterns needed. Instant obedience to the Scripture and to what the Spirit of God tells you is the move to make. When you, when you um, want to go into a pattern of sin or do something you shouldn't do, don't seek out anybody's counsel. Because people will tell you some justifying reasons of why you ought to go ahead and do that. Say, you don't need counsel. You just need to see that the Scripture calls something sin. You need to see that the Holy Spirit convicts you of it, and then you don't do it. Okay? We think we can sin and get away with it. But as believers in Christ, He chastens and disciplines His own. He loves us too much to let us go down that path. He loves us. So what did Abram think? Well, he said, I thought that there was no fear of God at all in this place. In other words, I didn't think God was big enough to take care of me down in this foreign land. See, God's okay about the saving of his soul. But I'm this or that, and I need this or that, and I don't have this or that, so I'm going to get this or that in a sinful way. Do you understand? God is big enough to save our souls, but he's also big enough to take care of our daily needs wherever we find ourselves in life. Follow me? So, I thought they would kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed. See, 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 see the flesh, no good thing. He's justifying it. And then he says this, 
Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. Do you understand that in the rebuke of a pagan, he's still not repenting? He's still not recognizing his sin? Do you see how the heart is? This is, not a, this is not a brand new Christian who's just come out of the chicken coop. This is an old rooster who's been around a long time, and he ought to know better than all this. I don't care how long you've known Christ, still beats within you the flesh. Have no confidence in yourself. There's nothing there. If you haven't sinned in a long time, it's just because circumstances haven't come along to trip you up and get you all ticked off about something. Given the right set of stuff and the opportunity, you fall if you trust in yourself, if you're thinking too much. Okay, go on in verse 12. Besides, she's my sister, da-da-da, verse 13. And then God caused me to... I'm sorry, did you catch that? And then God caused me to wander from my father's house. God put me in a situation that was vulnerable, and I needed to be clever. Christians don't need to be clever when it comes to sin. God caused me to leave a safe environment where I knew how life lived out in the desert and put me in a situation where I had to, well, what did he have to do? He produced something with Sarah's agreement. Notice, God caused me to wander from my father's house and I said to her, this is the kindness that you must show to me. This conversation took place at the gates of Chaldea when they left their hometown long before they ever got down into Palestine. You follow me? This was a preconceived plan to deceive and to sin based on Abram's fear because God had placed him in a vulnerable situation. Wow, what a web. What a web. And if you think you wouldn't do what Abraham just did, you got too much pride in your heart. You would absolutely do it. You've forgotten some things you've done in the past, and you're just not sure what's going to happen in the future, but you will. All right, look, verse 13, it says, uh, This is the kindness you must show to me at every place to which we come. Say of me, he is my brother. Isn't that great? Conceived plan. This is just how we're going to handle life. We're going to be clever. Churches go down the pipe because they get clever and, and forget to preach the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. They get clever with schemes and ways to build their church. Christians get in trouble. Preachers get in trouble because they get clever. They get real smart. They, they, they want to use, you know, they just think of, rather than just stick with the word of God, they just, they, they, they're clever. They're smart. Let's just be smart. Verse 14, then Abimelech took sheep and oxen. Wait a minute, I, I don't see any repentance. I don't see any place along here where Abram says, man, I really blew it, I apologize, I'm sorry. And yet, Abimelech, Abimelech probably looks at him and goes, man, you are, you are, I don't know what you are, but you're some prophet, you are, you're some preacher, you are. But because I don't want to die, and I don't want the people around me to die, Here's your goats. Look at verse 14. Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants. Yeah, I can imagine the servants going, yeah, sure, I want to go with this guy. And gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, behold, my land is before you. That's a nice, that's again a biblical way of saying, get out of here. Take off. There's the land. There's the exit sign. Get out of here. You caused me trouble. 
Behold, the land, this is not kind. Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you, just not here. To Sarah, he said, Behold, I have given your brother a. I love that. Did you catch that? Did you catch that little slam? He didn't say, I gave your wife, I gave your brother. One translation says, I gave your so called brother. That's the idea. I love that. Bimelech's, I like Bimelech at this point a little better than Abraham, don't you? Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you and before everyone you are vindicated. You worked in my harem. You spent time in my harem. Here's payment for that. Isn't that amazing? Then Abraham prayed to God And God healed Abimelech, and he also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children because they had wives, for the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Wow. What an amazing story. I'm sure it's another chapter. And this is after Abraham got the distinct and, and specific promise of a son being born to them this time next year and he goes down and does something like that it took 40 years for the religious for the israelites to figure out that they had failed in going into canaan land took 40 years they went into canaan land got the grapes lack of faith god sent them back out for 40 years to learn this one lesson in my flesh dwells no good thing 